Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer Aerospace Excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable. You're listening to the Fantrax Podcast Network. Fantasy Sports Entertainment lives here. Welcome to the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed. If you love prospects, you came to the right place, as that's what this show is all about. Covering all levels of the minors to help give you an advantage in your dynasty leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, baseball, fantasy baseball, and prospect fanatics alike, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is the Fantrax Prospect Tool Shed with Clegg and Cross, episode numero uno. That's right. This is our first episode of this brand new podcast. I'm your host, Eric Cross. You can find me on Twitter at EricCross04 and all of my written work exclusively on FantraxHQ.com. Joining me for this brand new podcast is my esteemed co-host, also of FantraxHQ.com, Mr. Chris Clegg. You can find him on Twitter at Roto Clegg. Chris, what's going on, man? And Eric, I am super pumped. I've been looking forward to this for a while now, and uh, it's finally here. So ready to talk some prospects and help people uh, win their dynasty leagues, man. Absolutely. And we've been working on this for the last uh yeah, about a month or so when we put a couple, you know, tweets out there promoting it, letting everybody know that we were starting this up. So it's I'm glad that we're finally recording our first episode here on the twenty-fifth of October during game five of the World Series. Uh, it's it's always nice to have some baseball on, on the TV next year and recording a fantasy baseball podcast on your computer. So for sure. Nothing not, not nothing better to do on a uh what's a Sunday night. Almost what day of the week it is, which is you know it's twenty twenty, so who knows? Um, a little bit of housekeeping here before we get into everything. As I said, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Cross zero four. Chris is at Roto Clegg, and our uh, podcast itself is at Fantrax Toolshed. Uh, please subscribe to our podcast uh, once it's on iTunes, which will probably be in a week or two, I think. Um, but it will be there. We're aiming to get it on all of the you know the major platforms: Stitcher, Spotify. You know, iTunes, obviously, all all the big ones. So um, just keep keep an eye out for you know whatever whatever platform you use. Keep an eye out for it there, and it should be there soon. Uh, it'll definitely be on on Spreaker. Um, I, I hate I hate saying Spreaker. I was supposed to say Speaker. Um, I got to add that R in there. Spreaker uh, right off the bat. That's what we use um, at Fantrack. So uh, definitely will be there. And then, like I said, we'll get it on the, all the other platforms as soon as we can. Um, yeah, but let's just get right into it here. You know. Start off with a little show introduction here. You know, Chris and I have been working together at Fantrax for... Chris, when did you come on at Fantrax? Like June or so? Yeah, in June. June, okay. Um, so the last, what, four or five months now. Um, you know, we have pretty similar interests in what we like to talk about, what we, what we like to write about. And we kind of like, let's, let's collab on something here. And then a podcast was like the first thing that kind of came into both of our minds here. Um, we kind of started talking about it and we realized we had really had the same pretty similar idea of what we want to do for our podcast and kind of do a prospects only podcast where th- there's a few of them in the industry, you know, Rotowire, um, Welsh's podcast, Prospect One, and the uh, Prospects Live guys um, have a podcast, prospects only podcast. But there's not like a ton that solely focus on prospects. Uh, so we figured that's what we want to do. We both love talking about prospects and so we, we'll be able to talk about, you know, the top guys, deeper guys, first-year player drafts, stuff like that, really hit on all levels and all kind of up and down the rankings here in, in the minor leagues. And 
try to help you, you know, help you all win your dynasty leagues and even redraft leagues too, because this this will, you know, this will be more focused towards dynasty leagues, but it'll definitely help. Hopefully, it'll help in redraft leagues as well for the you know prospects to get called up and you know guys you want to target in your redraft leagues. So um, that's gonna be the goal here. We're gonna aim for you know obviously weekly episodes. Uh, about 40, 45 minutes per episode. Obviously, that, that'll fluctuate with what we're talking about, but um, that's pretty much the the premise. And we figured, you know, we could have gone 7,000 different directions with this first episode because we, we have a ton of, both of us have a ton of ideas for um, topics to talk about. We figured, like, what's the most pertinent for right now? We both kind of thought, like, hey, you know, a lot of people, their first-year player drafts are coming up. So we figured our first two episodes will be, first year player draft focused. Uh, this one we'll talk about, you know, hitters, you know, top guys, mid round guys, some sleepers and the later rounds to target and the next week in episode two, we'll go over some pitchers. So um, with that said, let's hop right into that. Um, Chris, what did you think of this draft class in general? Obviously it was a very deep draft class, especially on the mound, but what, what were your overall thoughts of this draft class? It's definitely one of the strongest that I remember in recent memory. I mean, obviously you had torque at the top of the class, um, no really disputing that he was the top asset going first overall, even though down down the wire on draft day, there was some word that Tigers might go a different direction, but he was the undisputed top player, is the undisputed top fantasy aspect of the draft, in my opinion. And then from there, you have a lot of depth, man. Obviously, you've got guys like Austin Martin and Zach Veen. You've got the pitchers, Hancock and Lacey and Meyer, but there's a lot of depth from the top to bottom. And um, even like looking at my FYPD ranks, you get from like my ninth ranked player to like my 20, 20th ranked player. And they're all present similar upsides, in my opinion. So the depth is really, I think, what stood out to me. And I think there was a lot of, of value to be had here for a lot of teams in, in real life and for, for fantasy, um, like we're talking. And so for your FYPDs, like this is a, a great draft. And honestly, like it's a spot where, if you don't really have a top three pick, I like trading back a little bit. I know we were going to talk a little bit about strategy, but yep. I like pushing back to the the teens and because, man, I'm telling you, there's talent and you if you get multiple picks in the teens, I'd much rather have that than like a, a sixth pick. So a lot of depth. And, and we're going to definitely see that as we cover hitters tonight and then we'll be covering pitchers next. We'll, we'll talk about how deep it really is. Absolutely. You brought up uh, something I was going to mention too about trading back. Um, you definitely agree with that in, in the early part of the draft, but even, you know, as you get into the second, third, fourth round, you know, depending, I think most first year player drafts are, I think five is kind of like the standard. And then you know, some, of the, some of them are deeper, but if you have like, you know, a second or third round pick and someone's looking to trade up and give you like two fourths, two fifths, whatever it may be, I'd be all over that this year. Cause like you mentioned the depth, especially in the pitching side of things, is so so deep this year and there's really you know not a huge like you get somebody i have ranked like 35th compared to somebody i have ranked like 75th there's not like a huge gap there so if you can get two guys that are nearly as good you know for for one guy i would definitely do so um so this is definitely a good year to stockpile picks if you can um because you know i've done two deep analysis on the next year's draft but i've started a little bit but from what i've seen it's not going to be quite as deep as, or even as talented as the 2020 draft class. So um, I think I've seen others echo that too. Ones that really focus on the draft, like Mason McRae um, and, and others like him um, really said that, you know, this draft is better than 2021. So I would definitely be looking to stockpile as many picks as I could. There's so much talent, so much depth, like we were, we've been saying. So um, definitely look to get as many picks as I could. Um, but starting right at the top, you know, you mentioned Spencer Torkelson. Like, he is as much as I love Zach Veen, and everyone should know how much I love Zach Veen. I've been gushing about Veen multiple times. Maybe, maybe it's the Rockies thing. I don't know. Me and Rockies prospects, I don't know. There's like that that connection there, and hasn't worked out for the most part. Hopefully, it turns around on Garrett Hampson. Boom! There's the Garrett Hampson plug episode one. Um, <laughs> um, but seriously, but uh. Yeah, so I love Veen. I think he's going to be a stud, but Torque is the no-brainer for me at number one. I think I don't think I've seen a board without Torque at number one. He's just like – he's almost major league ready at this point. It looks like he's you know very advanced hitter, very advanced eye, double-plus power, you know, at least an above-average hit tool, I'd say. So he's not going to be – he's 
basically I've comped him to Pete Alonso with more batting average and on base potential. And, and you know, yeah, Alonso had kind of a down year this year, but you know, you're looking at 40 plus homers, middle of the order masher, you know, maybe, you know, 280, I think's a fair, you know, 280, maybe like a 370 OBP or maybe a little bit higher. See if that high walk rate from Arizona State continues over here. But, you know, I think we're looking at just a middle of the order four category beast that could be, you know, an early round pick in a few years. What do you think? Yeah. And I even think he's up next year, which is crazy. Like you yeah. mentioned, he he's ready to go. And you mentioned, I mean, the hit tool's legit, like above average, could even have 60 future hit, I think. So looking at plus hit there, he's got. Plus, plus power, the plate discipline, just insane. I mean, he walked more than he struck out in college, which quite an impressive feat. You think if he does get that third base eligibility and he's first and third eligible, that's a huge plus for fantasy leagues. I mean, he has me drooling from a fantasy standpoint. I think you're getting a legit four category stud. You mentioned 280 average. I think that's a, a good way to put it. But 280, 290, potential 400 OBP, which maybe pushing it, but that's that's the potential he has. And the power's 35, 40 home runs consistently. He's going to be a legit four-category cat- stud consistently. So he's easily the top choice here, and you want him on your team. Like, if, if you're sitting in that two – if you have, like, the third overall pick, like, you should try to push up and get him, in my opinion. Try to get that first pick because he's that good. He is. And for those, obviously nobody can see this, but Chris was like smiling through about 90% of that. That's how excited he is about <laughs> me and me as well, obviously. So it, let's, let's go, let's go with that for a second. If you, let's say you had like another top five pick, let's say, let's say three, you said third, let's go with that. So you had the third pick and also like what other pick would you add to that and be okay with tra- trading to get torque? Would you go with like a third and let's say you had eighth overall as well. Would you trade three and eight to get one? That's tough <laughs> because the depth, man, the talent yeah. is there. So that, that makes it hard, but you're going to have to. I mean, you're going to have to pony up that much, unfortunately. Yeah. But at the, I mean, at the eighth pick, you're still looking at a pretty solid player. I'm, I'm thinking, I mean, just looking at our hitter list, I mean, the eighth hitters is legit. Plus you factor in people are going to uh, draft pitchers up there. So mm-hmm. uh, that's tough, man. I don't know if I would because – the stockpiling the the talent but then again it's like torkelson feels safe you know he feels safe to me he's he's the high floor high ceiling uh i'd say say he probably has the highest floor up there you know austin martin's pretty high floor as well yeah definitely higher floor than veen i think veen might be close to torkelson and upside just because he can add a little bit of speed as well i'm not not a lot but um, but yeah, definitely combination. Of, like, I always talk about that combination of ceiling and floor, and I think that's definitely Torkelson by a mile in this draft. Yeah. So, so would you make that move? So if you're if you had three and eight, and let's just uh, off the top of my head, you have I think you have Martin three. I have Martin two actually. But would you trade Austin Martin? Knowing you could get Austin Martin and like Asa Lacey, would you trade them for the the number one pick? It's funny because that, that is my three and eight is Martin and Lee. <laughs> uh, you know what? I think I would. I think I'd be okay with that. There you go. You've yeah. got it. Answer my own question. Um, now speaking of top ten, let me, let's just run run down our top tens real quick here. So we kind of talk about a little bit here. So I have, I have Torque at one, Veen two, Austin Martin three, Garrett Mitchell four. I know I'm a little bit higher on Garrett Mitchell than most, but uh, Reese White, another uh, – Fantrax writer here. I was talking with him about Mitchell a week or so ago, and he's actually has him three in his first year player draft rankings. So I found someone that's finally higher on Garrett Mitchell than I am. <laughs> and then uh, Nick Gonzalez, five, Hancock, six, uh, Hasyong Kim. I'm, I might have butchered that. I'm sorry. Um, the recently post, or he's going to be posted out of Korea, the shortstop, uh, Ace Lacey, eight, Austin Hendrick, nine, Max Meyer, 10. And since, you know, give you three more hitters here to give me my top 10 hitters. Uh, Pete Carr Armstrong, uh, make a bell, Robert Hassel and Austin Wells, the catcher first baseman outfielder for the Yankees. So that's my top 10 hitters right there. Who do you got for your top 10 hitters, Chris? Yeah. So Torx obviously one Martin two, Zach Veen three. Uh, I've got Nick Gonzalez four, but I, I was wavering on switching him and Mitchell as I've been watching more, more film on him. Right now, the top 10 
currently have four Nick Gonzalez, uh, Hancock at five, Mitchell at six, Lacey seven, Max Meyer eight, Austin Hendrick nine, Mick Abel 10. And that's, I haven't factored Ooh. in the, this was just from the um, draft. So this was not including the international, which I have not factored in yet into my yeah. rankings. So obviously you've mentioned that Kim is a potential instant impact. And so whenever he's, he's been going to be posted and signed. So he definitely slots in there. And so then uh, there's four pitchers in the, in the top 10. So then I've got uh, Robert Hassel after that, um, Ed Howard and Pete Crow Armstrong, then Isaiah Green, actually. So I think that'd be my top 10 hitters. All right. Yeah. So I, I have Green's. I love Green as well. We can talk about him in a few minutes here. I have Green and where did I put him? 20. And then I have Ed Howard. Should be right in that general. Uh, 19 areas. <laughs> I should be right in that general area. Um, yeah, so we definitely have pretty similar top 10. I love, okay, we're not getting into it. I love Mika Bell there. I'm not going to get into That'll be next week. But um, yeah, it's a pretty similar um, top 10 with just a little bit of you know, shuffling going on here. Let's go with uh, with Hushyong Kim here for a second. I hope I'm saying that right. But um, <laughs> yeah, he was recently posted. So you know, most, even though the all the J2 guys won't be signed until January, a lot of leagues will probably have their uh, first-year player draft before then. But I think most leagues will probably you know incorporate those um, or maybe even have a, a separate one for international guys. But you know, Kim, like you mentioned, you know, it's going to be posted here uh, out, of, out of the um, KBO uh, major league ready shortstop. I've kind of digging into him after I saw his, I had heard of his name, but I hadn't really dug into it. So I wasn't sure when he'd come over. Um, but and Tim McLeod's great for, you know, the overseas, you know, in, in the Asian you know continent, you know, he does a great job covering those guys. So if you ever want to learn more about, you know, prospects from that region, you know, Tim McLeod is your guy, whether you're on Facebook or Twitter, um, he's on both. So I definitely hit him up. If you got some questions there, but um, yeah, Kim, from the looks of it, he just does everything well. He doesn't have, like, one standout tool. Like, I don't know if there's any, like, you know, plus or better tools, but it looks like he could be above average hit, you know, with at least average, you know, maybe a little bit above average in both the power and the speed. So maybe he's a guy that, you know, hits 270, 280, you know, maybe at best for some 2020 seasons, but maybe more like, the, you know, in the mid to upper teens for home runs. But, you know, if you're a, a win-now team that you know, I don't want to wait on Zach Bean for three, four, five years. Uh, I don't want to wait on a, a Mick Bell or someone like that for a few years. Then you want someone that's going to help you out next year or two. And you're sitting, you know, back of that top 10. I, I think Kim's a great pick for that range. Yeah. And the thing is the difference in Kim and most of the Korean prospects that get posted, most guys that are posted are 30 and Kim's only 25. Yeah. Yep. which is a huge plus. So you're getting a guy that could contribute a long time to your team. And currently his slash line is in the KBO is 309, 401, 529 with 30 home runs and 23 stolen bases. So you're looking at a guy that's going to give you an instant impact. And that's a huge plus, like hard to find in an FYPD draft, someone that instantly impacts your team. So he's, someone that I think is definitely worth checking out. Um, if look into him a little deeper, it's hard to say how the numbers translate. Like I haven't studied enough to see how the numbers translate from KBO over to the major leagues, but there's been plenty of guys that have done it and been successful. So there's no reason to believe that he can't come over and just get the job done. So probably taper the expectations because you look at the numbers right now and you're like, Holy crap. Like this guy's really good. I wouldn't expect him to come over and hit 300 and be a 30, 25 guy, like that's probably right. unreasonable. But even if you get a 270 average with with 20 to 25 homers and 15 to 20 stolen bases, that's a huge plus. Like and looking at the these other hitters and that you can take here, I mean, obviously some have more upside, but the instant impact is is a big factor here. Absolutely. And I forget who it was, but in our uh staff early mock draft that we're almost, I think we're in the last round of. So it probably might even be done by the time this uh, this episode posts. But someone took him, pick like two eighty two now. Maybe it was Jesse Roche, my you know co host over on on Five Tool. Um, might have been him, but um, someone took him in like in, in near pick three hundred. So even in, in redraft leagues, you want to throw like a late round dart at this guy. Just, hey, see see how those numbers translate. You know, if he's struggling after a few weeks or a month, all right, you cut him and 
get something, get a hot for agent. So, you know, no, no, really no risk. And, you know, throwing a dart a late on dart at this type of guy. Um, if you, if you have one on your team and even in redraft leagues. So, um, you know, definitely some in, intrigue there. You know, a couple others that we both have pretty high here. You know, Pete Crow Armstrong, he doesn't get, get talked about as much as I think he should. You know, Mets fans, you know, Michael Simeone, <laughs> every time I post uh, anything positive about Kalenic, he's like, dude, stop doing this. <laughs> in a playful way, I love it. But, uh, yeah, Pete Crow Armstrong, I think, could be like, you know, Jared Kalenic light. A lot of similarity. I think the one area where PCA drops off from Kalenic more so is the power. So I think he has a chance to be, you know, an above average hit, you know, plus um, – plus speed, but he's more, he's slightly below, maybe average raw power is slightly below average in-game power right now. So maybe he's only like a 15 homer type down the road. See how his frame fills out this, some projection on that frame. So we'll see how that fills out, but and maybe he's more of like a 15, you know, teens home run guy to add up with like a, you know, solid average, you know, 25 to 30 steals in that general ballpark. But, you know, I don't think, you know, he's not going to be Kalenic, but I think Mets fans should be excited about, you know, Pete Crow Armstrong. And if you can, if you have a pick in the teens, I think that's where I see, you know, I have him at 11 overall, um, including, you know, pitchers and everything. Um, so if you have a pick in the teens, I think that's where he's going for the most part. Uh, I think that'd be a great pick. Just if you want some upside, because I said there's more power up. So I think that could be there. Maybe you see 20 home runs out of him. Maybe we'll see how the frame fills out, but uh, definitely a nice little upside pick there that you can get in the, uh, you know, 15 to 20 range. Yeah, and I've got him at 15th overall, and I think that you're going to get him in that range pretty consistently because people are going to chase the upside of some other picks. And you mentioned, I mean, you're we're pretty close on the projection. I've got him like at 280 probably peak, and then with like 15 home run, 25 steal type of guy. Even though like that's – some people won't get excited about that, but think about the amount of guys that are capable of doing that and how they impact your fantasy league. So the amount of guys that can steal 25, 30 bases are slim as is, but then you factor in a good batting average and solid power. I mean, he's not killing you in the power. So it's potential solid impact there. And I think we're under, a lot of people are going to underestimate him in fantasy drafts from that standpoint, because they think that the upside's limited, but in reality, a 15, 25 guy is, is legit. And that offers a mm-hmm. lot. So uh, uh, no, I'll definitely like him in the teens. Absolutely. Yeah, another upside pick here, sticking on that trend. You know, we, we both have – you have him even higher than me, which is surprising. I, I haven't seen anybody yet with uh, Isaiah Green higher than me. And um, I think I wrote it in my um, first-year player draft top 100 or said it on a podcast somewhere. If you're looking for the C.J. Abrams type of player from the – it's not a direct comp, but just the – the Abrams type, the toolsy but raw, high upside type that could really take off, you know, if they hit the ground running in, in the Arizona League next year or the Gulf Coast League. Isaiah Green is that is my pick for that. Like, there, there's a few that fit that mold, but if I had to pick just one, it'd be Isaiah Green. You know, he was picked 69th overall, nice, um, by the New York Mets, uh, who had a killer draft, I think, uh, especially in their first few picks. Um but Green is a you know solid contact skills. Um, I think he's kind of right with with Pete, Pete Crow Armstrong in terms of like you know I think he could hit like two seventy five, two eighty, and maybe even more. We'll see how he develops. The, the bat's still kind of raw. He's, he's a uh, a prep hitter from Corona High School in California. But you know the speed is there for thirty. This is a double plus runner, thirty plus steals, and so it's going to be up to the power. Kind of with Abrams now, he's he's already shown a little bit of more power projection. You know, if the frame keeps filling out as it has with Abrams a little bit here, you know, if um, Green can add some power here, even just get up into the, just get up into the 12 to 15 home run range, pair with a good average um, and all that speed I mentioned, you know, this could be a guy that he's already in my top 100 overall. I think he's in the nineties somewhere, Um, but he hits there and running, you know, assuming we have a, a, you know, normal season next year and, uh, we got rookie ball back and he just hits around running and then kind of shows all those tools. And I think he, he got it really shoots up, maybe not in the top 10 like Abrams is or top 15 like Abrams is, but uh, this could be a really big breakout 
guy. So he's, he's a guy I'm targeting. If I have a pick anywhere near, you know, the 15 to 20 range, I am all in on green right there for, uh, for first year player drafts. Yeah, for sure. And I've got him 16th overall, which may be high, but from the minute I started watching him, man, I just dreamed on the upside. There's likely a reason he fell so far in, in the actual MLB draft. And it's just the lack of track record he had compared yep. to a lot of the other uh, first year guys. He just didn't have the track record that many of them did, but the upside's tremendous. And, the handful of guys in this draft that can hit 20 homers and steal 30 plus bases are very, very slim. And he is one of them. So he's one of my favorite hitters in this class, honestly, like overall, thanks to the upside, it's probably a low floor here, but the upside is tremendous. And honestly, like most people are not even going to consider drafting him here unless you're like informed. So if you're listening you know that he's worth this pick, but a lot of guys in your league may just totally bypass it. And they say, well, he was picked 69th overall. So, you know, a lot of guys honestly draft, I see it too often. Guys just draft by the way that the, they were drafted in the MLB draft, yeah. which is, is nuts, but it gives you <laughs> such a leg up. Like you can probably get him in the thirties in some drafts. Like, and for some leagues that may be like a third round based on how deep your league is. So, I think there's some serious value to be had here with Isaiah Green. Absolutely, I lo- I love people that draft off like have their rankings off like how where they're drafted. I want all of those people in my league, like all of them. Um, all right, let's take a quick break here, and we'll be right back. We'll talk uh, some more mid round guys and some some uh, late round sleepers for you. All right, welcome back from the break here. We've been talking some first-year player draft hitters uh, in this debut episode of the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed. And I have not gotten the name wrong yet. I was worried I was to call it my other podcast, The Five Tool. I have not done that yet, so give myself a little pat on the back here. Um, but, yeah, so let's keep going here, talking some plenty more intriguing hitters. It, it's, it's not just the top guys. There is so much hitting talent. People praise the pitching talent in this draft, which they should. But there is a lot of hitting talent here. You know, both you know, the safer floor guys and the you know the ups higher upside lower floor guys. So a lot of talent here to be had here um, mid rounds. And then another one with a lot of breakout potential, but I think people are a little wary of him because of you know he's a catcher now, but may probably isn't a catcher when he makes it his major league debut, but. Now, there's a lot of value here. So, um, Chris, why don't you give me a little bit of uh, – give the listeners a little taste of Austin Wells. Oh, man. Austin Wells, he could be a monster in Yankee Stadium. Oh. Again, kind of unknown where he ends up. Like, he's a catcher right now, could play some outfield, could play some first base. Who knows? <laughs> but if he can retain some – retain catchability, like if he just catches enough to keep eligibility in fantasy leagues, like you're – getting so much value here. I mean, Wells is a 55 grade hit for me with plus power from the left side. And that should play extremely well with that short porch over there in Yankee stadium. And so I'm looking at him as a guy that can hit 280 with 30 home runs regularly, which is huge from the catcher position. You're not going to get that. And again, there's a big if here, like if he actually sticks a catcher, which if you draft him, where they draft him, I think they've got to give him a shot. Like, I imagine they give him a shot at catcher, but it's hard to say for sure. But very, very valuable. And I know you don't love it as a, a Red Sox fan, but. <laughs> I know. I said that, too. I, I saw that pick. I was watching the draft, and I saw that pick. I was like, oh, I'd love that from a fantasy perspective, but hate that as a Red Sox fan. Um, yeah, this type of bat, lefty power bat, <clears throat> with good contact skills, like you mentioned that, with that short right field porch, which is like 150 feet away, he's going to do some damage there. Like anytime you get a lefty power bat in Yankee Stadium, it's you got to salivate a little bit, especially ones that can actually you know hit for a hit for a good average too, and aren't that's like the Curtis Granderson 240 hitting 35 home run hitters. But you know Austin Wells, I actually have him ranked I think 13th overall. I, I bumped I originally ranked him in the 20s. And I even looked at, oh, man, catcher or not, like he's going to be an absolute beast. Um, and the good thing with the Yankees, too, they have so many you know good catchers throughout that system. 
you know, um, they can, you know, Josh Bro and, um, um, who's going to catch her in that system? I'm blanking on his name. Um, they all come to me at some point, but they have a couple of good catching prospects in that system. And, you know, obviously they have, whether they want to, you know, keep Gary Sanchez a catcher or he's not a great defensive catcher, obviously, but the Yankees can move him around. So they can afford to maybe let him stay catcher now, see if the defense comes around a little bit. To, he's not going to be, you know, a gold glover, but maybe he can at least be passable back there or stick, but we'll see. But, you know, this draft too with catchers too, we keep talking about the depth and, there's a lot of good catches here. You know, we can we don't go super deep in on these guys, but you got guys like Tyler Soderstrom, you got uh, Patrick Bailey, you got Dylan Dingler, uh, who went to Detroit, who absolutely nailed their draft class. Um, went all, I think they went every one of their five or six. I think they had six picks. They went all college guys, college bat, uh, bats, if I recall, which they definitely needed with all that pitching they have in that system. You know, they went Torque at number one. Um, got Dingler, got Daniel Cabrera. They got uh, Gage Workman. Um, those are a couple interesting guys right there in uh, Daniel Cabrera and Gage Workman. And I, I think both of us are pretty high on on both of those guys. So um, once you pick one of those two and I'll pick the other, we'll talk with these guys a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So Workman is one of my biggest sleepers in the class, like for, especially from a, uh, a first year fantasy draft standpoint. He, he comes in as a third baseman, obviously, because he played in the same infield with Torque and Alika Williams. I think I said that right, but Williams was a, a stud shortstop. So yeah. Workman was more than capable of playing shortstop, which is interesting. He played some shortstop in the, in the um, Cape league. I'm pretty sure, but Workman has big raw power uh, from both sides of the plate actually as a switch hitter. And he's got a great projectable frame at six, four, He's actually pretty young from a college draftee. He's only 20 years old uh, because yeah. he enrolled early and was in was eligible to come out um, at 20, which was it's a huge plus because he's got some plenty of physical projection left, like to grow, and then plenty of development also. Um, I think he's best from the left side of the plate. Actually, he needs to cut down on the strikeouts a little bit and work deeper into counts. Like I think that's his downfall, but more than capable to be a guy that hits 30 home runs and then chips in seven to 10 stolen bases. Uh, I think the average batting average could be a question mark, but with where you get him, I think the upside's worth it. Like I think he's going to go deep enough in uh, first year player drafts where he becomes a great value. And so really like Workman there. And again, like you mentioned, the Tigers just killed this draft. They arguably, I think the best draft class there was. And so they, they knew what they were doing, man. They stacked up pretty solid there they did like like i mentioned they, they had an area of need in you know ad, more advanced co- collegiate bats and they absolutely filled it the, i don't i couldn't envision filling an area of need better than the detroit tigers did in this draft so absolutely a plus draft for them i love workman too like you mentioned you know he's uh he's pretty athletic for third base and then he, met, he did play some short um probably would have played short if it wasn't for alika williams there you know, that um, Arizona State infield was just absolutely loaded. And they had Torkelson at first, Trevor Halver, who went um, in the fourth round, I think. No, maybe I'm way off there. He went to the Yankees, though. I'm trying to see where he go. Third round to the Yankees. Um, played um, some second base there. And then uh, not, not so much the last year. He played second base earlier in, in his career a little bit, but, um, but more so on the outfield. But still, just that trio of – um, Workman, Alika Williams, and Spencer Torkelson, first, short, and third. It's just like ridiculous. Um, and I think Tork might have played some third too, or more third if it wasn't for Workman. So it was kind of like a ripple effect. Alika Williams kind of moved Workman to, from short to third, who moved Tork from third to first. You know, all athletic guys. Um, I love Workman too. I think he's, I think you're spot on with that. Good power, a little bit of speed can be added in. We'll just see see how that bat develops, and if it if it does to the point where he can sit like two sixty or so, you could have a very solid you know offensive weapon on your hands. And then Daniel Cabrera, I think, is more of a I think he's not maybe not quite as high upside as uh, as Workman. You know, I have him ranked higher than Workman, but he's um, I think he's a safer floor guy. Not a big dude, you know. He's six one one ninety five listed. He doesn't you know you look look at him at step into the batter's box you know at LSU. He didn't, didn't look like a masher at any point. He's like, oh, this isn't a 30 home run guy, but you know, both the hit tool and his uh, raw power for me are above average. I think he's 55 on both. 
So you could see a, you know, 275, 280 hitter in that general vicinity, you know, low to mid 20, you know, right. Maybe at peak, maybe he gets up in the mid twenties, but I think he'll settle okay into that low twenties area, you know, 20, 21, 22 um, speed. He's not a burner by any means, but you know, he's probably around average foot speed. I don't see him losing too much of that. And he's pretty aggressive too. You know, he like he likes to run. So I think he maybe he has higher stolen base totals than maybe his raw speed might indicate. But so maybe add him, you know, 15 to 18 steals there. He's, he was really aggressive on the uh, Cape Cod League in 2019, and that continued into you know, the shortened uh, 2020 collegiate season. But, you know, if he can add his double-digit steals to, you know, 20 home run profile with, you know, 280 or so average, um, I, I think there's some value here. I ranked him 27th overall, and, he, and he's another one, like you mentioned with Isaiah Green. He was drafted 62nd overall by the Detroit Tigers. So um, I, you could see, I could see some pretty solid value there. Um, and then really quick, I just happen to see the guy that I have ranked right behind Cabrera, Jordan Walker. I just want to touch base really quick on him. He is almost a um, another version of Nolan Gorman for me. And everyone saw how high I was on Nolan Gorman. He was my number one at one point in the uh, 2018 first-year player draft, which I believed in. I still believe that that was the right call at that point. But we saw you know massive, massive raw power, borderline 80-grade raw but the hit tool, the chase concerns, you know, re- you know, picking up spin, all those are there with Gorman have been, you know, exposed by minor league pitching. And Jordan Walker's kind of cut from the same cloth, you know, huge power, high school bat out of, uh, out of Georgia. You're not going to woods down there, Chris. Um, but, you know, he's got a little bit of a longer swing. He's a big dude. I think he's like six, five or so. Um, but if the hit tool can get figured out, he's, you know, it could be a 35 homer bat. I truly believe that, but you know, I'm I'm I've been valuing hit tool and you know an approach more and more every every year. Every time I update my prospect rankings, and he just doesn't quite have that yet. But we'll see. But you know, he's another exciting one in the middle rounds here for sure. And then let's keep going on here. Uh, there's so much talent in these middle rounds here. You know, Chris, I know you're high on um, speaking of power. And I think we're both high on this guy, Aaron Sabato. You know, kind of fits the Minnesota Twins first base corner outfield DH mold that they love. That they already had a massive log gym in. And you know, Nathan Dawkins, well, he, he was pretty upset that they drafted Sabato. Even though he, Sabato's a pretty damn good player, though, out of North Carolina. So, um, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, Aaron Sabato? Yeah. So we mentioned Jordan Walker. I like Walker too for the from the power standpoint, and I think. Sabato has every bit of raw power that Walker does with a better hit tool. Um, he kind of had a rough start to his college career at UNC, actually. He, first 14 games, look, he, he hit 185 with one home run, but his final 44 games, 380 with 17 home runs. Um, he had shoulder surgery and was a sophomore-eligible prospect, so we haven't seen a ton of him, but he's a pretty patient hitter from what I've seen, and he mashes like the, the raw power is definitely there. I think there's some similarities. You mentioned this comp for another player, but Pete Alonzo, that, that kind of power um, mm-hmm. would maybe a little bit better hit. So I think there's a lot to like here from, for twins fans. I mean, you should really like this pick and what he has to offer. I know again, it kind of just your log jam of first base corner outfield type guys, but really like Sabato. And I think that, Again, a younger guy that was coming out, so a lot of projectability left in in his frame. I think. Yeah, for sure. I think he could be you know another thirty five homer. He he has nearly as much raw as Torque, to be honest with you. But obviously the hit tool isn't quite there. But you know if, if he can you know hit two fifty two sixty with all that power, I know the Twins feel like they have like a bunch of those guys. I think I just pretty much described Miguel Sano, but um, yeah, definitely huge power back a player. I would definitely consider taking. I have him in the, uh, I don't have him, 22, I want to say, 23. Um, I think that might be, you know, a little higher than a consensus I've seen. I think most people have him like around 30s or so. Um, so, you know, after the first couple rounds, if you can get him after pick 25 to 30 or so, I think that'd be pretty good value for for a guy that has, you know, like we mentioned, plenty of power and could be, you know, could shoot up uh, prospect rankings here over the next year or two if, if he starts hot. 
Um, before we get on to the late round, guys, um, one more here that I wanted to talk about. I just lost the name. Oh, um, Jordan. Who? Wait a minute. Nogu, Nogu, Nogu. I don't know if you pronounce the W. I'm not sure, but he's a guy I have ranked much higher than um, I think everybody else. I haven't ranked 43rd overall. I think most people have him in the, in the 60s or so. But this is a guy where you won't see him high on many first-year player draft lists or anything. He's a third-round pick, 80th overall. Another guy that just wasn't drafted high. This is just a freak athlete, you know, where this could be a 30 home run, 15 to 20 steal threat due to the, all the strength and athleticism he has. But it'll all be up to the hit tool to see if he can get, you know, in the uh, approach, see if he can get on base enough to run, the hit tool to see if he can get to the power enough. We'll see. One, you know, kind of detractor for him is that he's not like an 18 year old prep guy. He was a collegiate bat out of the University of Michigan. So he's already 21 years old, I believe. So he doesn't have as much, you know, developmental time as most. I give you, you know, so he's not going to have, you know, four years and then he's always 22 and all these, you know, maybe the hit tool is better. No, he doesn't have that much time to kind of figure it out. But um, we'll see. You know, Cubs have, you know, shown that they can develop hitters, um, definitely more so than, than pitchers over the last handful of years. So, I don't think this is too bad of a system to be in for him. Not a great one, but I think the Cubs are decent enough that maybe they can you know, help fix the holes in his swing, um, especially the mechanical issues he has. But if you want just a you know upside guy in the mid-rounds of your first-year player draft, I would recommend Jordan Nuogu. That's how I'm going to pronounce it for now until I figure out how to properly pronounce that, if that's not the right one. But uh, he's, he's another one I like here a lot. Um before we get out of here, we get, uh, each to do a, a couple late round kind of sleeper breakout type of guys that we like, you know, outside of the, you know, like pick 50 or so, whatever it may be. But uh, we'll give you uh, two each here. Why don't you, Chris, why don't you uh, give your first one? Yeah, sure. Well, I accidentally already said one in Gage Workman. So Gage Workman was one of my late round guys <laughs> I really like. But the other guy I really, really like, and that's uh, Jake Fogle, outfield for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Again, the Dodgers just doing Dodger things, man, scouting and drafting like extremely well. And they they got him at pick 100, which was crazy good value in the in the MLB draft and he's going to be incredible value for fantasy also. He's one of the fastest players in the class and he was recorded oftentimes with with 80 grade speed. Um we'll classify him as a 70 grade because throwing an 80 grade on anybody is pretty crazy. Um, pretty small, 5'11", 165. Um, I say that as I'm a five foot nine guy right here, but <laughs> <laughs> he's got a very simple swing, um, barrels the ball pretty consistently, hits line drives well to all sides of the field. And again, the elite stolen base talent. I think it's pretty telling that the Dodgers gave him a $1.6 million signing bonus in a draft slot that was slotted for just 581K which means they thought very highly of him. Um, he's, I see him as probably like a 270 hitter uh, with 15 home run pop and easily 30-plus steals, which I think is extremely good value. And again, that's if he maxes out. Like He could probably max out at 20 home runs and, and 40 stolen bases, but I think if you're looking at him as a, a guy who can give you good, decent power and – elite steals with a good average like he's a guy that you're really going to want again he's not going to be selected very high in fypd drafts which makes him a great late round target again i don't really know what range i'm looking to target him at at this point because it's hard to judge like where others are looking at him but again i think you can get him later in your drafts and be very very excited to get out of there with a guy like like jake vogel absolutely i love jake vogel every time I, i've kind of looked into him, researched him, watched video. I think I like him that, you know, just a little bit more every time. And especially if, if that power um, comes along, like you, you mentioned, if you can add 15 to 20 home runs in addition to all that speed and then pretty solid batting average as well. I think he could be definitely one of the bigger steals of the middle rounds you know, of this draft. There's a lot of those, you know, kind of, kind of guys in the middle rounds, you know, like, you know, shout out to guys like Freddie Zamora that could shoot up. Um, Petey Halpin, you know, great, you know, kind of upside guy. 
um, went in the what, fourth round to the uh, Cleveland Indians. So obviously great system there. Um, another one here, like Owen, Owen, is it Cassie? I don't know that the first eye throws me off. Um, Owen Cassie from the, the Padres, but you have to pay the Padres tax as you do with all, basically all, you know, upside prospects from that system. Um, and then I don't know whether I want to talk about him now or later, but it's like <clears throat> a guy like Mason Wynn went 54th overall to the Cardinals two-way guy. Not sure <clears throat> where he ends up, how long the two-way thing works out, but you know, he's definitely one of those upside guys or it could stick. He could be a, you know, very impact player on both sides of the ball. Casey Martin, another one, but a couple Guys, I want to talk about here. They're kind of two different ones, but I'll just hit on them quickly here. Two different types of players, I should say. You know, Kobe Mayo went 103rd overall to the Baltimore Orioles um, out of, you know, the infamous and not for good reasons, uh, Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida. Obviously had that tragedy a handful of years ago. He is, if you don't want to pay for um, Jordan Walker, but you want a guy that could be pretty similar to Jordan Walker, then I think. Kobe Mayo is the guy for you in, in later rounds. Um, he is actually obviously power is the calling card for this guy. Double plus raw power here. Hit tool obviously lags behind a little bit, but you look at this guy, six five frame here. And his swing is just geared for getting loft on the ball and um, mostly to the pole side right now, but this is a 30 plus Homer bat. Uh, in the making here. We'll see how the hit tool um, goes, but this is a guy where, you know, you can get him like another one. We talked about how the draft slot might affect, you know, where they go and maybe go a little bit later than they should. I have him ranked 60 in my top 100. And he's drafted 103rd overall. So you can probably get him later than 60. And I think this could be a guy that maybe ends up as one of the top 25 to 30 bats in this class, maybe one of the top 10, power bats in this class to see how you know see how that uh the hit tool comes along and see, you know how much of that raw power he can get into um but my other guy who's very much different but if you want just a guy that could really just break out fly up you know prospect rankings you know hating cantrell um is one um that could and also werner blakely these two are both shortstops drafted late cantrell was drafted 151st overall by the Milwaukee Brewers out of Louisiana Lafayette University. And then uh, Blakely was drafted 111th overall by the Angels out of Detroit Edison High School in Michigan. You know, one I really want to talk, I like them both as breakouts, but Blakely more so is a guy just because, you know, he obviously he's a, he's a high school guy. They weren't even sure if he was going to be drafted. So he wasn't even like on a lot of draft boards for the most part. But, you know, this guy could break out in a major way. You know, nice little power speed blend here. I think there's, Potential for above average to plus raw power, uh, above average speed as well. 6'3", um, pretty strong athletic frames and with some potential for it to fill out. So you can even maybe protect a little bit more power out of him. Maybe the speed kind of tails off to average. Maybe looking at a, a six hit, five uh, speed down the road. But, you know, like we've kind of been saying with a lot of these you know, upside guys, the hit tool, that's what's going to be <laughs> driving this you know, this value here down the road. And, you know, there's still some work to be done to some holes in the swing, but you know, it's not like he's, I wouldn't say he's like a four hit, you know, maybe slightly below average hit right now, but you know, if you threw a five hit for a future projection on him, I'd be okay with that. Um, so I'm, I might even do that myself. He's right around five or a hair below it for me, but you know, if he can, you know, the angels have been, you know, not too bad at developing, you know, hitters, you know, we got a couple of Joe Adele, just, you know, obviously his debut wasn't great, but, you know, Joe Adele, Brendan Marsh, you know, and another Jordan Adams, another guy that kind of has some hit tool and swing issues that they're trying to work out. But if they can really just mold Blakely and, you know, really get the most out of him, then I think he could be one that really shoots up uh, over the next couple of years. But um, you got another one you want to talk about, Chris, or should we just get out of here now? Yeah, no, I'm good, man. I had workmen and, uh, and Vogel there for my sleepers, and you hit on some good ones there. So, man, a lot of we, – we didn't even cover half of the talent, which is crazy. Right. But that just shows how deep this draft class is. So, super exciting for a year for FIPD drafts. 
Absolutely. Like we, we already touched on, you know, a couple of the guys in like the top 10 or 12, you know, that we had in, in our rankings, but we could have had, you know, a full episode just on those guys. There's a lot of talent up there. Um, that just shows like, but we wanted to go, you know, a lot of people have been talking about those guys. So we wanted to get more of the mid round guys, some late round sleepers. So um, definitely. So you had Gage Workman and Jake Vogel as yours. And for me, Werner Blakely and uh, Kobe Mayo uh, is mine, along with Hayden Cantrell could be. And then Freddie Zamora. So many sleepers, you know, good upside picks, middle of the late rounds. And this was just hitters. We're going to go over pitchers next week. You know, this is just episode one. We'll do episode two next week with the pitchers, as I just said. Um, this was a lot of fun. You know, we're going to get out of here now. Um, so we're approaching the 50-minute mark here, which is kind of where we wanted to be. Uh, but this was a lot of fun. Again, you know, follow all both of us. I'm at Eric Cross 04. Chris is at Roto Clegg with two G's. And our um, prospect or podcast itself, excuse me, is at Fantrax Toolshed on Twitter. And make sure you check out Fantrax HQ. We got a lot of content pumping out right now. Um, MLB season is coming to an end here. World Series is almost over, but we're still pumping out multiple articles every day, deep dives. Chris has done some incredible, you know, uh, I think you've done three of them now on your StatCast pieces. Is that right? Yeah. So wrapped up StatCast, covered about everything possible. But this week, this probably be, the episode will probably be out by the time my article's out, but really just useful metrics when evaluating pitchers beyond StatCast. So that'll be out this week, kind of wrapping that whole series up, which is been a lot of fun man really have enjoyed doing that yeah th- those have been great i've been really enjoyed those and if you want to get better at stack ass definitely go check those out and how to evaluate uh, both hitters and pitchers to mo- you know maximize your research there so and we got you know prospect pieces dynasty pieces you know early rankings we'll probably have a, a recap of our mock draft out soon so uh, just a lot of a lot of stuff going on here at fantrax hq um even over on the podcast side of thing we got you know my uh, 512 Fantasy Baseball podcast as well, which we're still doing weekly episodes. We have the For You Soccer Fanatics. We have Kick Around podcast. We have Fantasy Hockey Life. We have, we're adding the Triple Play podcast here. For, um, they have baseball, basketball, and football. They just started basketball. Um, and also the on-campus college fantasy football podcast with Scott Bogman, Eric Froton, and John Lobb. So a lot of podcasts ranging over all the sports. So definitely get on Fantastic HQ for all your all your fantasy sports need, no, no matter what sport you love to play. But you know, obviously, if you listen to this, it's probably baseball. Um, this was a lot of fun, Chris. You know, this is great to get our first episode out of the way here and you know, in, onto the airwaves. Um, we'll have episode two next week. We're aiming to release on Mondays. I'll record over the weekend and get those out Monday morning for everyone here. So you know, until then, everyone, hope you enjoy the World Series. I know I am, and I'm pretty sure Chris is as well. And uh, we will see you again next week. Take care.